But before we get rolling, I just want to say uh, what a great Sunday we had last week. For those of you who are here in a rededication service of our sanctuary and to ourselves and to the next generation, uh, we're so excited uh, about what the Lord has in store, um, both for the opportunities that are here and even the, in the, this crazy world that we're in. What a great time to be alive for us to understand the gospel and to trust in God and to be excited about His coming again. And that's not just for one generation, that's for all generations. And so we're super excited. So this morning I'm going to be talking about Romans chapter 1. And uh, why don't we do this? Uh, why don't you stand in honor of God's Word as I read for you? I'm going to start reading at verse 18. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And I will read down uh, through the end of the chapter. God's Word says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Uh, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that uh, have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, uh, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, uh, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done, They were filled with all matter of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They were filled with envy and murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree and those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Uh, We ask that as we look at it now, that you would uh, help us, help us to understand. God, I pray for each person who hears this, that they would have a tender heart towards your word, what you have said, and in so doing to you. Uh, God, I pray for repentance where there need be. 
uh, both in thought and action. And God, I ask that your spirit would draw many to know you. God, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, yeah, so we're in a pretty good passage here this morning, huh? Uh, let me just review, uh, for those of you who don't remember, I uh, preached, I think it was at the end of November, actually, um, starting in verse 18. I'll just review 18 through 23, and and. I think that we miss this, and I want to really set this passage, this whole section up, with this, because I think it's important. It starts out, for the wrath of God is revealed. God's anger. God's anger. And and I want to encourage you about one thing, that that one thing is the only thing that matters. God's opinion about what you do and what you don't do, your life, uh, where you stand with Him, that's the only thing that matters. And in that relationship, you with God, in, in that one thing, will dictate all the other things in your life. And not just in your life, but in your eternity. Where do you stand with God? And uh, in this passage, in, in the setting of the book of Romans, uh, this stands at the forefront. And uh, I shared this with you a bunch while back when we were talking about it. Uh, we really see this passage as being this first section to the end of chapter 1 as uh, the sin of the Gentiles, or I would even say it a little step further than that, the sin of all. This is what all struggle with, and then specifically his people, uh, the Jews, in chapter 2. But first of all, it says the wrath of God is revealed And what is it revealed against, in verse 18 again, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men? Uh, What what is it that God would be mad at? It is the the unrighteousness and ungodliness of mankind, of people, of people. That's true for us. And so uh, if, if you're wondering what God thinks about this world, know this, that he's angry at the acts of unrighteousness and the rejection of, of him as the one, the ungodliness, the rejection of him, that's what he's angry at. Okay, And so wherever we see it, uh, we can know that God is against that and his anger burns against that. It says why. Uh, it says, well, the suppressing of the truth. End of verse 18. And we, it goes on to explain that God, even beyond His Word, or before His Word, however you want to say it, uh, that even though they may not know chapter and verse, in all of His creation, He is plain to see. And meaning, He's plain to see in such a way where He would be attractive to them. It would be a taste that they would want more. And they would see... That he is God because of his creation. Um, And so what happens, uh, and this is something we're going to talk about again and again, there's uh, this exchange that people do, rejectors of God do. This is really what everyone does apart from repentance, but this is what humanity is doing now. It's they're exchanging. And what are they exchanging? Uh, they, after knowing him and being without excuse, 
uh, verse 22, it says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And what did they do? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling uh, mortal man, birds, and animals, creeping things. What is that? That is the taking of the real God and applying uh, a, a worship, a sense of honoring to something that is not God. It's idolatry. It's, it's this rejecting of the true God and, and trading Him in, if it were like that, for something that's not God. It's the exchanging, God, exchanging something for something that is not God. Verse 24, it says this, Therefore God gave them up. We're going to talk about that over and over again uh, today. God giving them up. And what did they give up? The truth about God. The truth about God. They gave that up. Um, verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Uh, they, they didn't like the truth. Uh, people don't like the truth. And so what do they do? They trade it for a lie. Why? Because the lie somehow fits better. That's more desirous to them. Uh, that they would have a lie rather than the truth about God. And, and so we come to today. So we come to today. And I'm going to show you three things that God does, really, that He gives them up to um, after the rejection of Him. I want to say something, especially to parents, especially to young parents, but also to grandparents. What is your greatest fear for your kids and grandkids? As you're, as you're parenting them, as you're raising them, what is your greatest fear? Um, there's a lot of things where, you know, uh, when, when, when we talk about fears of parenting, there's a million of them, right? And if I sat here and just started rattling off more, you'd go, oh, yeah, I fear that too. And that, uh, you know, um, some of you dads especially, you think, I, I fear that my my kid would not be athletic. Uh, you weren't that great either. I mean, uh, um, I was really good at t-ball back in the day, you know. Uh, um, maybe there's maybe you fear that they won't be educated enough. Maybe you fear that they won't go to college or they won't get a, a master's degree. Maybe you fear that they wouldn't have enough money and they wouldn't have a good enough job. Maybe you fear, uh, you know, their friends, who they're hanging out with. Uh, maybe you fear uh, them becoming a Democrat uh, or a Republican. Uh, maybe, you know, I don't know what those fears are. Uh, a couple of those, one of those fears might be today that your son or daughter would grow up and they would identify as a homosexual. And, and I want to tell you that this passage, though it is about homosexuality, it's about the rejection of God. And the greatest fear that you should have, and I don't say fear in the sense of like uh, uh, unhealthy, and, but like to know the, the, the greatest uh, desire for you as a parent is that you, your child, your son or your daughter, would walk with Jesus. That should be your greatest desire for them. And your parenting 
should somehow all be connected to that. That. You don't want to just do behavior modification. You want them to walk with Jesus. You don't want to just share with them the, the, you know, the ways, the hacks of life that they could have a lot of stuff and do a lot of, you know, have comfort. You want them to walk with Jesus. And I want to tell you, if they walk with Jesus, all the other things will fall in place. And so I tell you, this is a passage about the wrath of God. It's about the rejection of the, of the God that created us. And so as we look at this passage this morning, uh, keep that in mind, that this passage is one section that is speaking of uh, really what happens when you reject God. So this morning, I want to start in verse 24. I, I mentioned this a couple months ago, but you forgot anyway, so I'm just going to re-preach those couple of verses if I could. Verses 24 and 24. 25. God gives them up because of rejection. Because of rejection. And, and this idea of giving up is very important. So who is God? He's the creator. He's the creator. Uh, he is the only one that is due our following, our worship. Uh, you, realize, you realize if you go back even to the first part I read, there was a whole thing of thanksgiving, right? That God deserves uh, the credit, the acknowledgement, but the thanksgiving for all that we have. He deserves that. When we don't give that, we're saying, I, I don't want you, I don't like you, I can do it without you, and I either replace it just simply with my own ideas, myself as God, or something else, and I make a God out of some other created thing. But in verse 24, it says this, Therefore God gave them up. And just, that's going to be said three times, those are our three points, giving them up. What happens when you reject God? God gives you up. And the picture of that is this. Um, If if I handed you, if I had a plate of food and I said, here, I I have this for you. I have this for you. And you say, I don't want it. I don't want it. it. It's the picture of me pulling back the plate and saying, fine. Get what you can get. Do what you can do. If you don't think you need food from me, you're on your own. Do what you can do. And, and, and for the most part, humanity says, yeah, I will be fine on my own. I can't do this apart from God. I don't need God. And, and in small ways and huge ways, people say that all the time. They're declaring that when somebody says to you, I am an atheist. They're declaring that. I don't need God. They're not just saying I don't believe in Him. That's what they think they're saying. But they're saying, I don't need Him. It's a rejection of God. In verse 24, it starts out this idea of God gave them up. Well, what did He give them up to? In the lusts of their heart. uh, To the things that were in their heart. The passions that drove them. He says, you're left to those. Apart from me, you're left to whatever's inside of you. And one of, the big, uh, one of the big teachings of the book of Romans is the heart. 
is the wickedness of the heart. And this is, you know, this first section, I don't know how many chapters, I can't remember the whole thing, but as you go through the book of Romans, learning about your own heart should be terrifying to you. Because you realize that without Jesus, uh, you could get in some pretty awful places, not just uh, in eternity, but here on this earth, because of who we are inside. But it says, because of their rejection of God, God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts and to impurity. What's in your heart is impurity. And it says this, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. The dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And then once again, we've talked about this already, verse 25, because they exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Uh, I just want to bring this up now. It's very important in this passage, creator, 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 right? If you just evolved, you just happened. And, and I'm not saying this in a philosophical sense. I'm saying this in a truthful sense. God said he created you. In the Bible, he repeated it over and over again. And so if you don't believe he created you, uh, then you're saying God has been a liar in the Bible when he communicated with us. Somebody's lying here. It's either you or him. Somebody's lying. And somebody's wrong and somebody's right. We can't all be right. You know, I, I realize that sometimes... You moms, you've tried to tell your kids, you're both right, you know, just because you want peace in the home. Rarely is that true. Okay, and it's not true in the scriptures. When God says he created you, he created you. And if he created you, there's some uh, obligation to your creator that you have, right? And this is the point here. Uh, because they did not um, accept the creator and them as his creation, it says that God gave them up to the passions or lusts of their heart. And what happens, he doesn't talk about specifically what happens, but the, it, was, it says, the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. The dishonoring of their bodies. And I, I, I want you to see this early, but you'll see it again. What happens when we sin and reject God? It is dishonor happens. Dishonor. And You know, it floats to, but dishonor to the person, right? When you choose to reject God, sin quickly happens. And what happens to sin? Dishonor. It happens dishonor to us. And and what happens, you know, even guilt, right? Why do you feel guilty? Because you are. I say that with a smile on my face because we should be quick about this, right? You know, some of you are from large families and you're you're blame shit. Okay, was it my younger brother or my older brother? Uh, Was it, you know, you're you're looking for someone to blame right away. But guilt and shame come from us. And so as we look at this, we see what is true of God's wrath and unrighteousness, what is true for the Gentiles, the Jews as well, what is true for us here today is this. That if we reject God, He gives us over to the lusts of our heart to be able to do it on our own. And what happens because of that sin is we sin and dishonor comes to our bodies. 
And I just want to ask this question, where would you be without Jesus? Where would you be without Jesus? We move on to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up. God gave them up. He says it again, twice. It is a Bible study method, right? When you hear things uh, repeated, you better figure them out, right? Because they're important. He's, he's trying to say something. There's a cadence to it almost. And so, so as we see this, for this reason, God gave them up. What did he give them up to? Dishonorable passions, right? Once again, he says, your uh, sinful heart you will be left to. You'll be left to. God says, I've offered myself to you. You've rejected. So I pull back and I leave you. I leave you to yourself. I give you up to yourself, your own heart. Verse, uh, verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. And he's going to talk about these specific passions. For their women exchange the natural relations for those contrary to nature. Verse 27, and men likewise gave up the natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Point number two is God gives them up to homosexuality. And I would say this, to the sin of homosexuality. You'd be surprised at the um, conversations in a pastor's home, kids to, adult kids to their father. They're like, oh, dad, it's only a matter of time before you get canceled. You know, you're just going to get canceled one of these days uh, because you're a pastor and you don't watch your words and stuff like that. No, I read straight from Scripture. This passage is about homosexuality. First talking about uh, what we would term today is being a lesbian. It says, For their women exchange the natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Uh, it's an exchange again. That's, a, that's another word, right? It already said exchange the truth of God for a lie. Now it's exchanging natural for unnatural. I want to take a step back. Um, there's this person I listen to. He's not a preacher anyway, but he always says, uh, yeah, it's, it's in Mother Nature and God. And I always go, it just drives me nuts when he says Mother Nature and God, right? Uh, there, there is no separate Mother Nature. I've looked, okay? Uh, there is no separate. There is God in his creation. And I, I want to tell you what makes something natural and something unnatural, Creation. It's creation. It's creation's order. And you say, yeah, I get it. So you can study creation and you can figure out what's natural. Sure, that's fine. But know this, that if you look to the book of Genesis and throughout the Bible, it says that all of it was created by God. And that creation goes on, and there's an obligation pointing back to the Creator over and over again. And all, all I want to say here is this. It doesn't give us much detail uh, for women, but it says this. They exchange their natural relations for those who are, that are contrary. And, and so what, what is natural the, it comes from the inventor, the Creator, 
That, that's what's decided as natural, is the way He made man and woman and the rest of creation. He was the inventor. And if you look at your life, your body, where you are and what, what it is, you, you want to ask the question, what has He made me for? What has He made me for? And I, I would encourage you as you, you raise children, to always be pointing them, yeah, what, what do you think God's made you for? Why has he made you this way? We do it at the surprise box all the time. We look at owls and whatever else comes in the box. And creation's a big part of that because I want kids to think in terms of God created whatever's in the box. And that somehow that thing is amazing. And they're amazing. And God created them. And so this is the role of life of growing up is for them to figure out what their place is in this world. What has God created you for? And so we start, and, and I just want to back up just once again. As, as you look at verse 26, it's dishonor, dishonorable passions again, right? Right? It's bringing shame. It's going to get on to the, uh, later in the passage. In verse 27, it's going to say shameless. These, these acts of shame. Dishonorable passions, acts of shame. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. God made women in a certain way and their counterpart as men. And this is His intention. This is His uh, role in setting up all of creation, not just in the beginning, but as time goes on and as generations come, they need to remember this. And so when they were given up, this group were given up in Romans, Romans chapter 1, given up, what happened? These natural relations were exchanged for those that were contrary to nature. Verse 27 And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women uh, and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. You see men now in homosexual relationships. I want to say this too. I've thought about this often and maybe some of you are wondering now, it seems, you know, if you're going to, Sometimes we think of ourselves as writing the Bible. If we were the apostle and God was speaking through us and, you know, you know where you would put things. And you think the first chapter, the first chapter, maybe you should in the middle or somewhere or something like that. Why would this be? And, and even as we think about culture today and we say, well, this particular passage, it, it seems like it's very contemporary to today. We realize that there is a, a cultural shift in our country, schools, politics, celebrities, athletes. There's this, uh, really this thing going on where it is uh, popular to do something different and unnatural and homosexual in our culture. Why is that? So this seems like this would be written in our time, but in you know, the times of the writing of the Bible, I don't get it. Well, and, and I didn't have to do much digging on this, but, you know, as I was reading and uh, as I dug a little deeper, 
Um, some have suggested that 14 of the first 15 uh, Roman emperors were homosexuals. That this, this was an open secret. And that one of the ones that was most outspoken and most known about was Nero, who was the emperor, the Caesar of the time. And so if you can imagine being in the largest city in the world at that time, the most important city, you have the Caesar, you have Nero. It's known that uh, he has had uh, some same-sex marriages, two or three of them, depending on who uh, is recording the history. Uh, This was a marker of Rome. And so as a marker of Rome, God addresses that through the Apostle Paul. And he says, this is a sign, a sign of the rejection of God. It was commonplace. And, and, and I want to just go back to this and I want it to make it simple because it needs to be simple. God's design was not women with women, men with men. It's not God's design. And, and so... As we decide we're not going to follow God's design, that's a twisting or a perversion of his creation. It's not following him, it's rejecting him. And I want to tell you that we're going to get into some other sins by the end. I'm sure you're excited about that too. Um, But... um, I want to tell you that, that sin never satisfies. It never satisfies. And, and why do I say that right now? I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. That when you fight against God, when you reject God, and you say, I'll do it on my own, he says, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you up to those things. And, and what happens is it never Uh, stops with just a little it has to go farther because it doesn't satisfy sin doesn't satisfy and so there's this this spiraling right and there's this I need more uh, of this twisting of creation I, I need more I need to try different things why because it's not enough and I want to tell you that unrest unrepented sin will always want more sin and farther away from that which God has created. I want to remind you and just point out again, dishonorable passions, right? That these things are are bringing these passions inside of us because we're rejecting God. They're they're, they're spewing out from us, right? The thoughts of our heart are coming out in our actions, and, and what happens is these dishonorable, uh, sinful things inside of us, they come out into actions. And then what? Shame. Why? Because they're dishonorable on the inside. They're also dishonorable on the outside. Um, this is what happens when we reject God. Natural for the unnatural. Creation decides what, how we are supposed to be. And as you think about that, Don't just think in terms of that which is natural or that which is creation, but rather that we have a creator. Now I want to take a step back from the scripture and just talk to you a minute because I know that some of you are struggling here today and I've prayed for some of you that I know. 
um, are struggling. Not, not just with your own hearts, which we have enough problems in and of ourselves, but to our friends and family that we care about so deeply. And, and, and I, w- I want to tell you that there's a, a temptation for us, parents and grandparents, uh, to try to work things in, you know, try to smooth things over. And, and I want to I tell you that maybe in your mind you're saying, well, maybe God meant for us to just love one another. Just love one another. And one person's expression of love shouldn't be uh, evaluated any more than another. And, and, and maybe, maybe they just love differently. Uh, than I'm used to, than I'm used to. Maybe things are different culturally. I already talked about that, that in Rome is very similar to our culture today. But maybe you say there's just different uh, cultural things and we have different ideas of what it is to follow God now and maybe even uh, someday we'll do church without doing church in the metaverse or something like that. Uh, Some of you don't know what metaverse is and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, like just the, the, the world that we live in. Um, what was I talking about? Um, culture. Maybe it's just about following God, and it doesn't matter how we act or what we do or what we think. Maybe there can be a, a church for heterosexuals and a church for homosexuals. Maybe it's just the difference in believing. Maybe if we weren't so literal... We'd be okay. Maybe that's the way to think. I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, what do you think about homosexuality? Uh, and so I want you to get fixed in your mind. What do you think about homosexuality? What are, what are your thoughts? And I want to follow up that question is, are, are you an authority about this? Do, do you know? Do you know stuff? And when I say do you know stuff, like, like have you studied it and come to conclusions so that you could be the authority and that you could tell those who are ignorant of this, you could teach the simple what it's all about. What are your thoughts? Are you an authority? Let me ask you another question. Can, can thoughts be different? Can your thoughts be different than my thoughts? Can we think differently? Can we both be right? Or can we just get along not agreeing, but can our thoughts be different? Maybe you say to yourself, well, I have a friend. I have a friend and, you know, this friend and uh, I'm real close with them, uh, you know, real friendly and we, we've been friends for a long time. They just are different. Or maybe you think of your son or your daughter. Maybe for some of you here, you think of your mom or your dad. Or a cousin or an uncle. Or I don't know who it is. Maybe just a close friend. And you think to yourself, the reason that I think differently is because I know them. And maybe you think in terms of you're confident of your answer because you know them. I want to encourage you about something, and I use the word encourage because I, I'm being soft. I, I want to encourage us all to let God do the thinking and the talking 
when it comes to this issue. Let him do the thinking. Let him do the talking when it comes to this issue. And what I mean by that is this. To say, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about how I'm created. I just trust my creator. I, I, I don't understand anything about how sinful this world is. So, so I trust the one who created us, who provided the Redeemer to bring us out of this dark world. I'm going to trust him. And I'm going to listen to what he has told me. I might want to know more, but I'm, I'm going to focus in on what he has told me. And I'm going to let him do the thinking and the talking for me. I'm going to agree with him. That's so critical. And it's not just with this issue. It's with every issue. It's critical for us to say, uh, I, I didn't think about this a long time. I haven't studied it. I haven't read every article on the interwebs. Like, I, 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 haven't, I haven't done all that. But I've read the scripture. And humbly, I just want to follow after the God who created me. Okay. I know I'm probably going to go too long. I may, I may drag this out. I thought I was going to get farther. Um, presently, uh, LGBTQ+. Um, looked up some things on the internet, and there are people who are saying there's 79 different genders. And if you read through them, they are different. They are different. Um, they're different ways of thinking about who they are. Uh, all of these uh, would ca- be categorized in this area of going beyond the natural relations. All of them. Um, but I, I want to be real clear here. Real clear here. And I want to go back to what we've been talking about. I've mentioned this four or five times in the last couple of months. The book of Genesis, what does it say about us as creation? What does it say? Made in the image and likeness of God. Created us, both male and female. Both male and female. But, but I want to focus on made in the image and likeness of God. So what I, I want to encourage you, all of you, um, Someone introduces themselves and they say, well, I'm gay or I'm a lesbian or I'm one of these other ones and I I identify as this or identify as that. I want to encourage you, stick out that hand and say, glad to meet you. And in your mind, in your mind, know that the person that is in front of you is made in the image and likeness of God. You, You need to do this. You need to do this part of the scripture as well, made in the image and likeness of God. This, this is true. This is true of all people. These are, these are true of inmates and of uh, drug addicts and, and whatever else you consider, you struggle. Uh, remind, I want to remind you, made in the image and likeness of God. That said, there is no arguing with God about what this is. No arguing. God is the authority. He is the creator. He has said, this is unnatural. This is going against. This is part of rejecting me. Um, 
few weeks ago, a bunch of churches that I am deeply affiliated with, um, they took a Sunday uh, to really talk about this issue of identity, and um, and I knew that I was going to get there, so I just came a couple weeks later. Um, in Canada, they were identifying with the churches in Canada, and Canada now is uh, illegal, illegal to counsel somebody that is struggling with any of these things, that they should change, repent, and the conversion therapy is what they call it. Um, I would say it's transformation, redemption, um, that you, you can no longer share the scripture with them because the scripture says that it's a sin. I want to tell you that this is the world that we're rolling into. Uh, we are going to follow this. Uh, some things are already happening. Uh, last year, there was a bill, um, and I don't want to talk specifically about it, but bringing down the age limit of those who would be put on the um, predator list because of sins they're committed, and they're just desiring to walk that down, walk that down. Why? Because it's an, an issue of indoctrination and discipleship and sin is what it is. And this idea of trying to allow more people, more people, and I'll, I'll get to why that is. I, I want to talk just briefly, and I think I'm going to end here, and the passage here, and then I'm just going to get to my three points, and then we'll have dinner afterwards. Um, uh, um, I want to talk specifically to those who are struggling right now with same-sex attraction. I want to talk to to you. And I I realize that some will just hear this uh, on our internet feed or whatever, and so be it. Good. Um, If you're struggling with this, I want to tell you that the enemy is lying to you. The God who loves you so much, who created you, says one thing, and there's someone else. There's someone else. There's an enemy, and he's lying to you. He's lying to you about what this is, okay? Um, It's interesting if you, you listen to someone who speaks of their own journey into homosexuality of any kind, um, they will talk about something that they thought or something that they felt. Early on as a child, early on, something they thought or something they felt. And it was uh, made them feel uncomfortable or made, you know, something inside of them that they had some experience and, and they felt different. They felt different. And they would point back, um, they would point back to that and they'd say, see, at the very earliest times, even before anything was meant to be shaped, I knew I was created that way. Created that way. Um, I, I want to tell you, I, I, I don't mean to, um, I, I want to be real serious. As a child, I remember being angry. I remember being angry at times. Some, something would happen at school or, you know, I remember... You know, these kids stole my hat when I was in third or fourth grade. And I, I remember the rage inside of me, the rage inside of me. And I, they were older kids, and I just, you know, and it's okay. I'm fine. I wasn't. <laughs> Bullying's not really that big of a thing, okay? It helped me to be a good pastor. Um, uh, but 
I remember the rage that I had inside of me and this idea that I, I yelled at him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. What, what does that mean? That I'm destined to be a murderer? It's not. It's not. Um, being sinful, born into sin, being in a sinful world, you know, it's the air we breathe, but it's also in our hearts. What's going to happen? Things that are wrong, sins in the sight of God, even things that are, are like permanent, like killing someone that you can't go back. You can't say sorry afterwards and things will be okay. I want to tell you that the, the enemy uses this and he says, if you think things that are wrong, if you feel things that are wrong, that must be your identity for your lifetime. Not true. Not true. If you identified with every wrong thought that you thought inside, I mean, you would be something else. And so would I. God has not made us to be a murderer. He hasn't made us to be homosexuals either. Secondly, I want to tell you this. Some of those who are hearing this, they go, well, it's, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. I had thoughts, and I had more thoughts, and I looked at stuff on the internet, and like I, I you know, I just it, it, it got worse than that. And then there was that one day where I had that experience with this guy or this girl, and I, I found someone, or they found me, or I don't know how it happened, and I acted upon this. I acted upon this. So, you know, there's no going back. There's no going back. I want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie. Because there's the greatest news ever in this book of Romans that we're looking at talks about it. It's freedom from slavery. It's freedom from slavery. It's, it's that we can be saved. That we can be saved. Nothing that we've done, nothing that we've thought. It, it, it's not that it's not real. It, it happened. It happened. I thought it. But can all be forgiven because of Jesus. That's the message of the book of Romans. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to give my three application points and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with the other stuff. We're going to talk about other kinds of sins. Uh, If you read on, you'll see uh, there's a list of 21 sins in the next few verses. Just bam, bam, bam. Um, But but I I want to give you three things before we head into a time of communion. First of all, honor God's creation. Honor God's creation. Um, even the rebellious ones, even the rebellious ones. You meet somebody, you know, I, I think about um, that God's creation is all around us. I, I think about uh, uh, your little ones, your little ones, your kids. I, I want to encourage you about them. They're not going to be sweet all the time. In fact, percentage-wise, um, uh no, I, I just want to tell you, honor God's creation, even the rebellious ones. If you find someone who introduces themselves, who identifies, who is, is living this lifestyle, remember they're made in the image and likeness of God. And remember your children, uh, they are not done. They, are not, they need Jesus. Uh, and so for us as God's people, we seek to honor God's creation, uh, whoever they are. That person you have in front of you is made in the image and likeness of God. Secondly, be who God made you. I am a man. Uh, I, I would even say this. I'm not a boy. 
I'm a man. And so I need to think through often, what does it look like to be a man? That God, what did God create me for? How did he make me? Be who God made you. I'm a man. I'm not a, a, a woman nor a boy. I'm a married man. As a citizen of the U.S., I'm 53, and to be able to, to grasp where God has placed me and what he has created me for, and, and this is what I should be doing. And then thirdly, I would just say this. Uh, escape the shame. Escape the shame through repentance and trusting in Jesus. Escape the shame. Uh, I want to tell you that uh, chances are, uh, if you're struggling with guilt today, it was a real event. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't something culture did to you. It wasn't something you made up. It really happened. But I want to tell you, there's escape from the shame of sin through Jesus Christ. Him and Him alone. God, thank you for this morning and the opportunity to talk about some super important things. And as we look to your word, and God, I, I do pray for tender hearts and that you would uh, just work in us now. God, as we celebrate... Um, what uh, your plan was in your son Jesus. God, help us to cling to that and to realize that the stuff of this earth, the sins of this earth, are not important in light of the cross of Jesus Christ. That uh, his death, burial, and resurrection uh, is all we needed uh, to put those things behind us. God, help us to do so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.